Sarah Connell Sanders. And you're listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. Today we are talking Grammys, among other things. Yes. It was quite the week. It was quite the week, yes. Why don't we start with Deborah Dugan? So she's the Grammys. She um, was the CEO. The CEO, yeah, of the Academy. Is it, is it the Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences? Is that what they Recording are? Recording Academy Chief Executive. Mm. She was removed from her role 10 days before the Grammys. <laughs> Which is, like, unprecedented, I think, in any, like, awards scenario. I don't think I've ever heard of any of the, like, major awards dealing with something like this. One would think you would let someone see their big project through, but because it was an accusation of... Harassment? Was that it? She had done a bunch of things that precipitated her being removed. And then this is like the this is like the idea that I got from reading. So then after she was removed, she then like filed a complaint of an actual suit. Yeah. So she was removed because of her intern or not. I'm sorry. It was her assistant who she inherited from her predecessor. Yes. Who her predecessor has his own like bait of problems. So she said whoever this assistant was was not hacking it and the person filed a complaint. Against um, her. Right? Against her. Yeah. So Deborah Dugan filed her own complaint. With yeah, with the EEOC. You will know it as the EEOC. <laughs> okay. Um but I guess it was like the assistant, but then there were other things that they didn't just didn't like that she was doing. So like there's like sort of a boys club feeling, which is not surprising in the industry in general. And I guess that there were a few things that she just would say no to. Like, she didn't want to just hire lawyers on as consultants just because they were, like, friends of the board. Um, she was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And that was a big part of it is Neil Prokow, Prokow, Pro, Prokow, whatever, her predecessor. They wanted to bring him on as a consultant. And she was like, first of all, no, we're not going to pay him that much to do that. And secondly, he has, like, an outstanding rape allegation against him by like an art by a foreign artist so like there was a lot there (laughs) yeah so she you called her yesterday in our discussion a whistleblower but she came forward with um, claims of voting irregularities financial mismanagement exorbitant and unnecessary legal bills which i assume relates to what you were talking about yeah that was the funniest sentence i read where it it was exorbitant (laughs) exorbitant spending on legal counsel Conflicts of interest involving members of the Academy's board, mm. executive committee, and outside lawyers. This was the big talk, and there were a lot of people who opted not to attend the Grammys, one of which was Taylor Swift, and there's speculation it was because she was standing with Deborah Dugan. Yeah, I wasn't I didn't even realize. So I will say I don't like the Grammys very much. It's like too much for me. And I love music, but like to me, I just like don't get invested in it. So Sarah's going to be our Grammy. Oh expert. my god, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I'm just going to ask you <laughs> questions about the things that I saw. But I didn't even know that Taylor wasn't there, and I thought she would be because she was nominated for a bunch of awards, and she was supposed to perform. But oh, this yeah. was under the radar. She wasn't on the official docket, but they said that there was a space for her in the lineup in the run of show where she was going to do a secret surprise performance of the song. The man. Uh-huh. She talks about, you know, if she was yeah. a man, how um, she would be perceived differently by the public. But she didn't perform. She didn't even attend. And 
I felt like there were a lot of stars missing, big names missing. But then that also made room for people like Lizzo and yeah. Lil Nas X and Billie Eilish yeah, to really shine. Right, because like Rihanna hasn't put on an album in a few years. Beyonce was nominated for a couple awards for like, um, there was like one of her Lion King albums uh, or like the, the Lion the King soundtrack. soundtrack. Yeah, and then one of the songs that she did from Homecoming. Gotcha. But like nothing major because she also hadn't put out an album. But like, I, know. I, you still I think wanted Beyonce to would see them, up, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I suppose because Lion King was also nominated for things like Golden Globes and the Oscars, we'll see her there. Yeah, I don't know if she'll be at the Oscars. Oh God, I hope so. Yeah, I know, me too. But <laughs> I think. But right before the ceremony, we got some harrowing news. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, like, in the middle of the afternoon, TMZ reported that Kobe Bryant had died, which I thought was, I was like, there is no way this is real. I got, like, a few people sent it to me. One of my best friends who grew up in L.A. is a huge Lakers fan, like, just sent me the news story and nothing else. And I was like, David, what? Yeah, and it turns out, so, and there was conflicting reports about the amount of casualties and what exactly happened. There was a helicopter crash in Calabasas, and at first it was, like, just Kobe, and then more news came out that his daughter, Gigi, um, who's kind of his protege, Gigi is his daughter who really was, like, taking on the basketball player. She was stepping into those shoes. Yeah, he had just trademarked her nickname, and there's a lot of thought that, you know, he had big plans for yeah. her aside just from telling everyone that she was gonna go to UConn and had yeah. these huge aspirations that he had almost like a, a commercial avenue kind of mapped out for her it was called Mamba Sita because what was his nickname he's the Black Mamba the Black Mamba yeah. but right so it turns out there were like nine total casualties including teammates of Gianna's and their family and yeah it was just it was a lot and I think for a lot of people, Kobe Bryant is sort of like, for people of a certain age, he's like what Michael Jordan was to the generation prior. Um, and, you know, both of them have flaws and both of them are people, but like, it's a big, it's a huge cultural moment mm-hmm. and like tragic. Yeah. And so Lizzo was the first performer at the Grammys and she kicked it off by saying, this one's for Kobe or tonight's for Kobe, you know? Mm. And then she gave this beautiful, crazy, amazing performance as she does. And it ended with a flute just descending to her in (laughs) midair and she picks it up and she just brought it home. It's pretty awesome. The most amazing flautist. Yes. Yeah, I love I love watching her play the flute because she also like she plays it incredibly, but she also like performs in her whole face, mm-hmm. right? Like her eyes, you can just watch her and she like does a whole thing and it's just like her <laughs> face. It's amazing. Yeah, well, a lot of our favorite actors are the ones that we're most impressed by are people that can act with their face. She performs yeah. with every inch of her body. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I heard her talk on... Maybe it was Boston Public Radio when she was in town, and she was saying that she used to hide the fact that she was a flautist, and she didn't want anyone to know because she thought it was so uncool. It's like not cool, yeah. And now it's like her the a weapon in her arsenal. Yeah. You know, she pulls that thing out, and people go crazy. It's like a signature move. 
One big question I had was they only give out nine awards. The ceremony took forever. I fell asleep. Yes, this is why I never watched the Grammys. Nine awards, but they I know that they vote on 84 different categories. Yep. So how do they decide which ones they're going to give? I think that like once the accountants have it all in, they know, A, who the winner is, or at least the nominee, and they just want to like push it to like whoever whatever categories they feel are going to be most exciting. But that has been a constant complaint from the public about the Grammys for years because Mm -hmm. you see it's skewed towards certain genres. It's skewed towards certain artists. And it's not a fair – I mean, I wouldn't say a fair playing field because that's not what I mean. But it's not – right. It's not really fair to like – It's not representative representative, of the people who are – of the people in the industry. Right. And you can't give out 84 awards on the air either. Oh, Like, there has not. to be a line. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's performance heavy, which is also okay because the performances are cool, but it just takes yeah. so long. I didn't mind the performances, especially from someone like Tyler, the creator, who yeah. like brought it. You know, yeah. he or blew like everyone away. And his whole, yes. the remix crew. Um, but then Tyler, the creator, was visibly upset. He won... Let's see. Best rap album. Best rap album. And he was like, this is a genre classification that is a backhanded compliment to me. And he said, it's the equivalent of giving my little cousin the unplugged controller so he can shut up and feel good about it. I was like, ooh, shots fired. Well, it's so funny because I remember when I was in college and he was like the biggest thing and he was a teenager too. And he was like, I want to win a Grammy. (laughs) This is like 10 years ago. But he really did like evolve with his music. Yeah. He was, he's always been a rapper. Like that is part of what he does. But he certainly, and like with this album especially, kind of moved into like kind of like a funk and R&B state. Hey, I was on board with it, but it was just funny that they chose to give that one out during the ceremony when it clearly didn't fit into his own vision of himself. Yes. And then also they gave out Best Comedy Album, but Dave Chappelle wasn't there and won for like the second or third year in a row and wasn't there. So it was just like, okay, he got the award next. And I'm like, of the nine, like pick people that are there. Yeah, I think that, right, exactly. And I think that they want to say, I think that that's part of their thing though is they're like, look at how diverse we are. Look at our like smart choices. Like we have our fingers on the pulse Mm -hmm. because that's been a complaint too is people are like, what are you doing? I think the last couple of years have been better. That actually goes back to, or it reminds me of one of the problems that Deborah Dugan had brought up. There was like a specific award that she said, which was like last year, the song of the year, Ed Sheeran and Ariana Grande, Ariana Grande were snubbed, and that was like one of the specific awards that she was like, "This is part of the larger picture of like who's getting favors done for them by the board and by the electorate." Mm-hmm. So. And they were certainly upset with Ariana Grande last year for some reason. She had a disagreement <laughs> with, but what's with his name? Neil Proko. Yes. Yes, I forgot about that. Because she was planning to perform and yep. then they pulled the performance and she called them out publicly. Yeah. But yeah, so like last year they weren't nominated and I guess that she was like part of the process is so screwed up that this probably should have happened and it didn't. Gotcha. And you mentioned the Lil Nas X performance <laughs> of Old Town Road. There was BTS, who was underutilized. They were only on yeah, for like a second, a seconds, but they yeah. did Soul Town Road. It was like really amazing. Yes, and people, I love them. the crowd was so engaged and excited yeah. to see them on a stage in America. Mm-hmm. And then Mason Ramsey is the yodel kid. Yeah, the kid. I didn't know. Whoops, oh. Sorry, my phone's going off. <laughs> 
I didn't know that he had a legitimate career oh, aside yeah, he's from a yodeling. Person. Yeah, who knew, right? Yeah, yeah, he like released an album. He was on that he was he's on a studio remix of Old Town Road. Ah. So like they had released one that he's on. I guess that makes more sense. Yeah. I was kind of like, who are you? Yeah. Why are you here? But I like, I love that. I love that win for him. I think that Lil Nas X is like important to the zeitgeist. <laughs> A lot of people are saying the worst performance of the night was Aerosmith um, and Run DMC. It was just like messy was and off key and Did they do Walk This Way? Yeah. Oh. And um, Run DMC like broke through this fake brick wall it just like they're just it looked like they were in a haunted house or something with props oh i don't know it wasn't well they just had an argument aerosmith is like having like all of this strife recently that has to do with one of their members who's like they're like like slowly currently estranged from one of their i guess former members but they're having like a whole thing so i'm sure that doesn't help it was not coordinated in the Ugh. least. I don't know. I don't think anyone was on key, but <laughs> that wasn't even the worst because at least people get jazzed over that and yeah. they're like, "Yeah, rock and roll" or well, whatever. And it's like that, like the callback to like that cool moment in the '80s when like they got together and did that. Like that yes. was cool. And the rock and roll scene said, "Oh, hip hop is a legitimate form of right. music." So I understood the historic significance, yeah. <laughs> but the worst performance by far was Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton. It was so flat and I... just like, uh, they had no chemistry because they're dating in real life. Yeah, and they've been dating for like a while and I have never, ever understood it. That was pretty painful to watch. Yeah. And I don't know. I looked up, oh, sorry, I'm going to do this again. Alexa, how old is Gwen Stefani? Gwen Stefani is 50 years old. 50. What? She was born on October 3rd, Alexa, stop. <laughs> it's she, October 3rd. <laughs> but she is like so vibrant and youthful yeah. and she just has this dewy, bright skin. Alexa, turn off. Oh, she drives me insane. Uh, but no, Gwen <laughs> Stefani looks so young. And then Blake Shelton's also in his 50s, but looks just like so He's much in his older. 50s? Alexa, how old's Blake Shelton? Blake Shelton's 43 years old. <gasps> Alexa, turn off. Oh, wow. That's he crazy. He seems so much older. And I'll tell you why. He's an alcoholic. Oh, um, actually, he's an alleged alcoholic. I don't want to get sued by Blake Shelton, but I'm pretty sure that that's the case. <laughs> that's really interesting. I know he had a messy divorce with Miranda Lambert, yeah. but I didn't know the specifics. But yeah, I don't. I don't get that relationship. I don't understand how, how I, or whatever. That's not. That's their personal thing. But like music wise, I don't understand how it fits into her brand. Me, either. I don't see it. The like, voice, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, like output wise like she was a she was like a ska artist right when she first came up and then she transitioned to like pop and kind of brought in elements of all different stuff like whatever but now this is just like such a strange it's almost I feel like it's like alienating to me like I don't like I don't understand Gwen Stefani anymore right you know it's funny because I went to see her maybe five years ago at the Xfinity Center over the summer. Mm-hmm. It was just like a fun throwback. Yeah. You know, she played her banana song. She played No Doubt song. songs and all like the stuff from Tragic Kingdom. It was great. And the Bathwater song. Like it was. Uh, Bathwater is the best, no doubt. A walk down memory lane, you know? And then 
to see her up there with this man who apparently she's a half a decade older than, but she just like overshadowed him mm-hmm. so much in terms of her stage presence. But then he just had this booming country ballad and right. I was and over it. I feel like he's bringing her down. Yeah. In it, their professional life. Not a good thing. <laughs> not in their personal life. I don't know anything <laughs> We're about unaware. their relationship. <laughs> Back but off, Blake. I do. I, I want her to like... We'll cut the chain off. All right, Molly, if we're throwing out theories. Oh, I love theories. Uh, this is one I hate. It's Billie Eilish. Uh, yeah. Her relationship <laughs> with her brother Phineas. You're right. It is weird. It's super weird, everyone. You were the first one to say this to me, and I was like, no. Well, they we, just are close siblings. Well, and the reason that I originally thought it was weird was because it was like when they first came up, I was like, oh, she's like kind of cool. And like I was like, oh, her brother, she's like close with her family. But it was literally just like the minute that I read that her brother wrote Bad Guy, I was like, mm, no, because she's also a teenager. She came up with a new video this week that she directed to, and it's she and her brother, and they're like holding hands in a car, and they drive into the ocean, and she sings like, when I wake up in the morning, I know I'm going to be okay because you're, you're sleeping next to me. And I was like, I understand the sibling relationship, but it's like off putting. There's innuendo there that I don't want to read into about you and your right. brother. Yes. And I think it's like when you live in that, when you live in that sort of like insular life, they probably feel like they're the only ones that one another has, which is dark. Yeah. But in like, it's just a lot. Well, I think we can all agree that Game of Thrones aside, you are not supposed to get with your sister. What is no. he doing? I don't, I mean, I not, I'm not, you're not, yeah. you're not supposed to have Game it, of Thrones either. And it's not, <laughs> I'm not saying that there's like overt um, right. incest happening. I'm saying that the innuendo put forth by the lyrics that they write, the video that they just put out. Yeah. It's odd to me and it's off. Right. It's not that anything's going on. It's just like they and like whatever if he writes the songs and she sings them like brother, like siblings write songs together all the time. But right, it's another thing if that's like what you're outwardly projecting the optics are not good. Yeah, that's well, what it is. And I also I so I googled it cuz I'm like I wonder if anyone else is upset by this. There has to be. And so there are no articles really written about it. There was a piece in the Washington Post about Phineas the other day, and they said a thing that really bothered me. It said that they grew up in a house that only had two rooms and that their parents were very, like, artsy, alternative, hippy-dippy, and that they co-slept. Now, there are two rooms. Does that mean that they co-slept like these two teenage kids had to share a bedroom? Or, Does like, it mean a that- bed? The mom and the daughter shared. What does that mean? I co-slept. don't. I don't is, like it. Yeah, and I've heard that. I've heard like co-sleeping for like children. Children, like not like teenagers. oh, my kid is four. Like yeah, I don't know. Maybe I need more context. I don't. But I was just the whole thing. I don't like it. And then the only place I found this theory like totally, totally confirmed by a large mass of people was on Twitter. Uh-huh. And yeah, the pictures that kept coming up are of. Phineas's girlfriend, who bears an uncanny resemblance to his sister, Billie uh-huh. Eilish. So anyways. That is interesting. I'm surprised that, like, Vulture hasn't done anything. That's, yeah. like, right up Vulture's alley, right? Should I, I like, know. should we pitch it? You should pitch that I to Vulture. I would never want to destroy <laughs> somebody's life. It's just, I don't if, think if I'm picking up on this. Well, there's a difference between, like, reporting and cultural commentary, too. I would agree. So, like, you could say, like, oh, this is weird. You guys think this is weird. And it would be, like... The totally okay thing to do. Uh, I know. That's not good vibes, though. I do. I try to keep things very positive, although I got slayed this week. I did a piece for Mass Live, 
and they, oh yeah, you know, they change the title on things. They can do whatever they want and that's with a, subtitles a and frequent titles. Issue. Like that comes up with the New York Times all the time. People are like, "Hey, I didn't write the headline, but here's my piece." Right. So editor Noah Bombard, much more experienced, especially on an online platform, at getting people to click on the story, and it got clicked on. But like, it said something like, "These are Worcester's new it neighborhoods," whereas my title was like great opportunity for wayfinding or something. Right. I was talking about the it's new wayfinding so signs. Yeah. So that's fine. Whatever. All these people click on it. But what I don't like are that the comments were on one of two sides. Either people said, this girl is delusional. She thinks Maine South is like the, the new it neighborhood. This is crazy because yeah. it's actually like all drug addicts and prostitution. Or which is a problem in itself, like that, that all major cities have, right? Oh no, I mean it's a yeah. problem in itself that like that's the only way people view a neighborhood like that. So this is side A, and then you've got side B. All these people who are like, "You are ruining Worcester gentrification. It's hard at work here. What have you done?" And I'm here in the middle, like I don't know. My whole life those have been abandoned manufacturing buildings, and now there's things in them, you know. And right, there needs to be some in between. How right? How do you? Put things where there is nothing, but it, it. I think a lot of it is just like community involvement, like the level of community involvement. Like, so, like, are we go? Are not we? Like, any? This is a huge problem in Boston right now, too. Is like, you're going into a neighborhood and you want to put this, this, and this there. Are you bringing in the people who already live there? Right? Like right. that. And I think that's the thing. Is like, okay, so where where's the where do you find that common ground? And how do you? I don't even think it's just finding it though. It's like, how do you like put that into action? It's just, it's a lot. And it's, I think that one of Worcester's problems is that it's, it seems to be happening so fast. And so it's just really difficult to like engage in the ways that people are looking for. And these are not regular people. These are internet people too. But I guess my thinking in the article was I would pick out three neighborhoods that would be totally worthy of one of these new wayfinding signs that have popped up around the city. Mm -hmm. And so I spoke with the Southeast Asian Coalition, and they said, you know, a little Saigon would be totally appropriate. We have this huge Vietnamese population, tons of Vietnamese businesses. So that was one. Yeah. I wanted to think about an old neighborhood that's really on the come up again. And I think Quinsig Village right now with the new park that is open there. It's like this beautiful old rooted neighborhood that, yeah, is having a resurgence, especially for young families. I think we need to be more specific about how we're defining gentrification, too. Yeah, and I think, like, I think that that piece that Bill Shaner did a f- few months ago or last year was was really good because no one had really talked about it at all. Where do we go from there? And <laughs> yeah, bring me a, a solution. I know that's a big ask, but I think when people are critical of the celebration of Worcester's economic success Mm -hmm. and economic development, I I need an alternative, right? Am I supposed to hope that all those manufacturing plants that have been empty for my entire childhood remain empty? Yeah. Is that what I want? Do I want that big vacant lot where the mall used to be to stay empty? Do I want the big vacant lot, the Wyman Gordon site where the Polar Park is going to remain empty? Of course not. Right. But I understand there are implications of development. Exactly. Like a ballpark is costly and et cetera, et cetera. But like, that's what's happening. Right. So, so how do I you mean, proceed? Tomorrow night, I'm going to a big announcement from the Worcester Red Sox. Um, they're showing a large amount of support to two organizations that I'm very excited about, the Worcester Public Schools and the Worcester Public Library. So 
I think those are the sort of community engagement efforts that I'm going to champion, even when people leave me nasty comments about it, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it's also, I don't know. I get not wanting those communities and especially communities like historically of color in Worcester and communities who have lived in those in neighborhoods that have been left behind feeling then left behind again when stuff comes in it is and it's and it seems to be a lot of emotion right now which makes sense to me like as I'm like a feeler you know but it's like how do we turn it into not just action because I do think that like anger has a place and I do think that emotion has a place but how do we turn it into more meaningful action I guess would be my question I read a great study recently. I think it was from 2019. I sent it to Bill Shaner, too, because I was like, look. And it was my students who came across it. Oh, that's cool. But the gist of it said transient populations will remain transient. Gentrification, or what we're calling gentrification, doesn't necessarily impact the people that will be transient anyway. But it does raise the quality of life for the people who remain in the neighborhood, no matter what socioeconomic status they are. Yes, that is fascinating. We can post the link to that study. Yes. Um, well, to to finish on a positive note yeah. regarding the Grammys, Billy Porter's hat was oh my really God. amazing. I love him. I just loved... So if you hadn't seen it, he wore a hat that was like a lampshade and like it was electronic and it like opened up like a cur- like a curtain, like on a stage. It was amazing. But the best part of it was just like his very, very serious expression when he opened it. It wasn't like that it opened, but then it was just like it opened on him just like being like, look at me. <laughs> so um, just so serious. I loved it. Um, that reminds me, though, one of my other favorite things that I read today was that Lana Del Rey bought her dress at Saks Fifth Avenue for $500. What? I she had gotten a dress, walked down the street or like went to the mall like to a mall to find something for her boyfriend to wear. And pro- I'm guessing it was probably like an outlet mall. Cause her boyfriend is a police officer. Yeah, he's like a television police officer. Oh, interesting. Yes. Um, but they were going to buy him like a belt or something. And she walked by this dress in Saks and was like, I like this. So, so she like just bought it. It was $495. You can buy it at Saks Fifth Avenue. Um, <laughs> it's, oh God, I can't remember which brand it was. But it was pretty. And it reminded me of one of my favorite... Um, things ever which is when Sharon Stone wore a gap turtleneck to the Oscars nice. with like an ornate skirt yeah <laughs> but I just thought that was cool I did read a little bit about the boyfriend oh what can you tell me so he was he was like a normal cop I guess and then he's now the host of this show called like live PD which I guess is just like classy cops <laughs> it seems like that's the sense I got from reading it live PD yes he's very handsome um it was interesting though. Like I saw an interview with her, and she was like, "He's a good cop. He really take he really thinks about things." And I just thought it was so funny that she like said that. You're like, "He's your boyfriend. Of yeah. course you think." Well, because it also does go. And I mean, it does just like I think it's like a little bit. It goes against like her image of kind of the like you know she's sort of like a little bit counterculture. Edgy, and, yeah. But I thought that that was really cool. So check out Lana's dress. Yes, she. We went to college together. Oh yeah, and it's funny. My friend Anne keeps saying like, "You guys had a poetry class together." I don't remember that, so I'm not sure I ever actually oh my did. God, but I know the people that did. I remember them saying she would go to class barefoot sometimes. We were like in New York City. I believe it. Yeah, so she's Lizzie. a free spirit. That one. Yeah. 
<sighs> Sarah, you could have written video games. Oh my god! <laughs> if only I had tried harder oh, in poetry. No. <laughs> the Osbournes were oh. kind of hard to watch, but I guess he's overcoming right now a really serious illness. He has Parkinson's. Oh. He disclosed recently, Ozzy. Yeah, which is not surprising because, like, if you ever watched, I used to watch the Osbournes, mm-hmm. and he had. It looked. It always just seemed to me like I always just wondered if it had something to do with like his like addiction issues that he had kind of like a tremor a tremor yeah and it might be you know it could be from many different things but like people always say about Michael J. Fox in particular like watching him act in the 80s and 90s you can actually notice ticks that he had that turned out to be a part of that so I wasn't terribly surprised but yeah and then yeah and they had the Osbournes announced the best rap performance and that felt like vaguely belittling because they mispronounced all the names Mm. and it was almost on purpose like look at these two white British people announcing all of these hip hop artists names incorrectly I don't know I didn't love it I was thinking about that recently actually because I noticed something like that at um, I don't remember it was the Golden Globes because the the composer for Joker won the Golden Globe for Best Original Score. And it was the first time a woman had ever won that award. And she's Icelandic. And they didn't pronounce her name correctly. And I just thought to myself, either the people who are announcing or who are presenting need to like put more effort in or the people who choose who presents what need to be more mindful of who it is. Like maybe so-and-so. They, you might look at it and be like, oh, I bet that Tom Hanks would like learn how to pronounce these people's names. <laughs> you know? It just, like, really bothered me. Like, you would think that a producer would be like, here's how you say each name, you know? Dress rehearsal. Right. Or that, like, before they walk on stage, they might look at it and be like, oh, I wonder how you say this. And not, I just think it's, and I've seen it so many times. Their Um, whole job, too, is to learn how to say things in a particular style, in a particular I've seen it before, because this woman, obviously, I mean, she's Icelandic, so her name is very difficult for us as Americans to say, but I've seen it with particularly like like black people like Convention A. Wallace the year that she was nominated for Beast of the Southern Wild um, a lot of like Asian names East Asian or South Asian like and I'm just like why don't you learn this like it really bugs me well it's funny you say that because they messed up the spelling of someone's name in the in memoriam segment of the show oh no and then yeah Twitter again went crazy yeah but it's disrespectful if especially if that's the crowning achievement of someone's career right right and that's the thing that bugs me is not only if if you say the name wrong but like it looks like you're doing it in good faith that's fine but the thing that really bothers me is when people open an envelope and they're like oh i don't know how to say this mm-hmm. because i've heard that before that makes me nuts you're like, like well there learn were how to four say nominees it. or five right. nominees like, learn them all yeah but like saying that and i get that it's probably a nervous tick on their end yes but I just feel like it's such that's like a microaggression on a it's a microaggression on a huge stage mm-hmm. that I, it bugs me. <laughs> My only two other notes were mentions of dads. Uh, the first one was Camila Cabello, and she performed this ballad to her father, who was bawling in the audience. It oh. was like it was really emotional and sweet. But at some point, it must have been that. I don't know if they planned it this way or the timing was off, but she was getting closer and closer and closer so that she would end the performance right there in front of him and could, like, hug him or whatever. But she ended up in front of him for the last, like, 30 seconds, and this grown man is just crying and crying, (laughs) and she's, like, singing to him but also singing to the world. And it was just 
I don't know, for me, very uncomfortable. It kind of sounds like a sketch, like from like an SNL type sketch. Yeah. Like she gets closer and closer. I'm like, imagining like, oh no. Oh imagining no. like Cecily Strong, like getting right in someone's in your face. Dad's face. Yeah. The other funny. dad mentioned was Ariana Grande, who, oh my God, I want to watch that performance over and over yeah. and over. But she did Seven Rings, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, it was a mashup. So she also, yeah, she did. did Thank You favorite. Next was in oh, there. Yeah. But it was three songs she did. And they made it look like Sound of Music. Yes. For part of it. It was, oh my God. It was just a a fever dream. But she has this line that's like, her mom's going to walk her down the aisle. Yes. But she'll be thanking her dad because the mom got stronger from living through the drama. Right. And I thought she was like estranged from her father. Me too. But she changed the line when she was at the Grammys and it said, I'll be thanking my dad because he is awesome. So I wonder if they're you know, making up. Family is family. Yeah, I have no idea. That is interesting. Yeah, it just caught my ear, and then I couldn't really find anything about it. Hmm. That is like um, when Justin Timberlake was on Saturday Night Live right after he broke up with Cameron Diaz, and he sang Cry Me a River, which was a song that had been written... About Britney. Yeah. But he sang, he did like, I think he did a mashup too, and he sang Crime River, and I remember him specifically tweaking a line that was like really mean. Pointed? Yeah. Like something about the line about giving giving you my name. I don't know. That song, like, but, I remember be, but I remember watching that and being like, Ooh. Was it meant to soften the blow to Cameron Diaz or to hurt her? I think it was, it seemed like it was to, I don't know if it was like to hurt her or just him being like, Yeah, I'm in a breakup. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think this is probably the most negative I have ever been in an episode. I hope you stick with us. <laughs> I don't know if it was negative. You're just speaking what you're talking about things that have happened. Yeah, Molly, the Grammys, not great. Also, internet trolls, not great. What a week. What a week. <laughs> Wait, but okay, I had more fun this weekend than I've had uh, in a long time. A redemption in Worcester. Rock? Yeah. Yeah, it was so fun. We went to the Redemption Rock anniversary party and like danced so hard. Thank you, John Strader. Yeah, Strader is a very good DJ. Like, we're friends with him, but he's good at his job. He can read the room. And he's really fun to watch. Because he gets, like, really into it. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, you match his energy, too. Because you're like, oh, Strader's into it. that's part of what makes him such a good DJ. It's excellent. And he also played Old Town Road, which I appreciated. Because, like, I think you just got to do it. And people love it. Oh, my God. People love it. Yeah. And then yesterday we went to the Jane Fund event, which was excellent. I couldn't believe talking to the women that organized it too. A lot of them said, you know, we used to have to do this in secret. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I had no idea. And now it can be a, a public organization. Yeah. It was a really, one of the things I noticed about that event was it was super welcoming. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes when you go to nonprofit fundraisers and stuff like that, you can feel a little isolated. And I thought it was a very welcoming environment. Yeah, it was funny because we tend to hang out in this one circle where you mm-hmm. walk in and you know everyone there. And I was volunteering. Thank you, Ricky Nelson, for uh, hooking that up. And then Molly walked in to attend the event. She goes, do we know anyone here? And I was like, the politicians. <laughs> yeah, it was like <laughs> Senator <laughs> it was like Senator Chandler, Senator Moore, Candy Barrow Carlson. <laughs> like, yeah. Those were our friends. Hi, Councilor. Hi, Senator. <laughs> Um, and they were warm and welcome, yes. welcoming too. But like even when I first walked in, they asked for your name because, you know, you had to, it was a fundraiser. So I said, Molly, I did not give them my last name. And they like checked me off. And then 
they said, how did you hear about this? And I was like, well, because they asked if I had been there. And I said, I've donated before, but I've never been. But I heard about this through Ricky Nelson. <laughs> and they were like, of course. Ricky, thanks for championing yes. women's rights to choose. Yes, we love it. And so these women, they started by driving people to Planned Parenthood. Escorts, yeah. Yeah, and they acted as safe escorts and private escorts. And now it's so much more than that. Yeah, it's really about funding abortion for women who don't have access monetarily to the procedure and outside support as well. Just It's really important. It's really cool. If you want to find out more about becoming an angel, you can look up the Jane Fund. Yes, Jane Fund is great. Um, yeah, that's all I got for this week. Oh, we found out that we received a grant from the Worcester Arts Council. Yay! Thank you so much for your support. I know. I was so excited. Yeah. I, like, sent it to, like, my cousins, Aww. like, my family. I was like, look, guys. Yeah. Is it it'll allow us some studio time. And then also, our dear friend, Mike Hendrickson, has done thousands of dollars of in-kind yes. work for us. And we're going to be able to give him a little bit of money Yay. so that some of the women that we interview, he can provide them with professional headshots. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm so happy to be able to do that. Yes. We'll be able to do some studio time so that the sound will be on point. Woo! We're really excited. Yep. So have a wonderful week. Yeah. We'll be back with Lucy Hale and Barbara Fields in the coming weeks. We're really and excited. The Poets Laureate. Yes. Would that be the correct? I've, I've decided <laughs> that that's the correct pluralization. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're setting up a time to meet with the Poets Laureate. Yeah. That's both the Youth Poet Laureate yes. and the Adult Poet yes. Laureate from the city of Worcester. Very exciting. Well, I have been Sarah. I have been Molly. And this is Pop It. Pop It. Pop It.